Victoria Cafasso, a British-born Italian citizen, wanted to see the world and decided to head to Tasmania to see a long-lost cousin. Five days after arriving, she was stabbed to death in broad daylight at a popular Tasmanian beach. This is 12-Minute True Crime. Twenty-year-old Victoria was born in England and her maternal grandparents continued to live there. Her grandfather had been involved in politics in Rome in the 1970s. Her father was a lawyer and her mother owned a travel agency. She lived with her parents and a younger sister in Italy and was a dual citizen of both countries. She spoke fluent Italian, English and French. Victoria was a straight A student, but she wanted to divert her university law studies and take a sort of gap year. She wanted an adventure. She had arranged to travel to England to see her grandmother and then on to Tasmania to visit her cousin, whom she'd only met twice previously. On October 6, 1995, Victoria arrived in Launceston, Tasmania. She was met at the airport by a cousin and a friend of his visiting from Sydney. On the way to the cousin's home in Beaumaris, they stopped at Shelley's lookout, overlooking the beautiful Beaumaris Beach, where she met three other local residents. Over the following few days, Victoria went for two short walks and attended a small social gathering with her cousin, but otherwise she remained at her cousin's home. That was until the morning of the 11th of October, when Victoria went out for another walk at around 9am. After having breakfast with a friend she had met three days earlier, she then went towards the beach alone. Victoria was seen sunbathing on the beach at around 10am. Police estimated that over 50 people would have visited that same beach between 8.30am at 1.30pm. At about 1.30pm, a woman was walking her dog along the beach and discovered Victoria's body. She was partly undressed. There were signs of a violent struggle and some of her belongings were strewn down the beach. Victoria was wearing a white bikini with small navy blue spots and a floral trim. The top was pulled up over her breasts and the bottom was missing. There were stab wounds to her upper body, neck and face, and lacerations and obvious signs of being bludgeoned to death. Chapter 2. The Evidence Police, scouring the scene, found different sets of footprints. A police officer, who was a former shoe salesman, was able to describe the ripple sole of one set in detail, and he found it was different to the sand shoe print that he had found. Unfortunately, the police officer didn't make a cast of the footprint or try and protect it with his coat before the wind erased the imprint. The water and the wind that um, just forensically and scientifically, um, no evidence was obtained. A two and a half metre perimeter was drawn around the disturbed area of sand where it looked like a violent struggle had taken place. Police later found Victoria's white sand shoe, a watch, bangle, ring, Sony Walkman, John Lennon style sunglasses, sun cream scarf and a purse containing personal papers, $500 in cash and some foreign currency. 
The poor woman was, she was almost um, scalped. Victoria's body was transferred to the Royal Hobart Hospital, where a post-mortem took place. They discovered two weapons were used, a blunt object and possibly a hunting or diving knife. One blow was so forceful it knocked out three of her teeth and possibly rendered her unconscious. What exactly are you looking for at the moment? We're trying to find missing teeth at the moment just to get, just to, uh, get as many of the parts back as we can. She was then stabbed 21 times in the upper body, front, back, neck and face. There were no signs of sexual assault. Bruising on her arms indicated that she'd defended herself. Exposure to the elements made it difficult to determine the time of death. The cause of death was multiple stab wounds, including wounds to the right atrium. In other words, Victoria bled to death on that lonely Tasmanian beach. An international and local search for a killer was underway. Chapter 3, The Search for a Killer Initially there was a suggestion that Victoria's family were under police protection. Her grandfather had been a police chief in Rome in the 70s, so they asked Interpol to investigate if her death could have been linked to her late grandfather. Interpol could not find any organised crime threat. The killer was closer to home. A police profile revealed the perpetrator was probably a family man with an unpredictable violent temper. He just pulled from behind him the knife and the knife, it was a very long carving knife and he held it up like that and he said, like, you, you know I can kill you and cut you up into little pieces and nobody will ever find you. His family is probably protecting him to this day. Police at the time said if the crime scene could have been better managed, it would have been easier to hopefully track down a killer, but there were far too many people tramping around. A police officer at the time said he didn't know if the killer had waded out with her body into the water, cast it adrift, washed the blood off himself, and then used a towel to dry off. He could have walked in the water and then made his way up the beach hidden from the highway by low bush and sand dunes. It appears the swell carried the body from the crime scene area to where it was found. Victoria's murder whipped up fear and suspicion. The disappearance of a German tourist in 1993 while cycling alone from St Helens to Hobart, right near Beaumaris, heightened bands of a serial killer. Some residents moved away temporarily, others sold up. Property prices dropped. Victoria's murder was bad for business. More than 300 suspects were nominated by police, almost the entire population of the tiny town of Beaumaris. There were 50 people on the beach between 8.30 and 1.30 when a body was found, but no one saw anything. Over the years, three teams of detectives investigated the murder. The inquest began in St Helens in 2003. The coroner at the time says when photos of a body covered by a blue tarpaulin were tendered, this was the first time he and many police had known a body had been moved. These photos had not been passed on by one of the original police who had borrowed a camera and got the film developed. The inquest resumed in 2004 and they took more evidence from more than 100 witnesses including Hilda who had a daily routine of running along the beach around midday 
a fortnight before the murder, she'd been approached by a man asking her where the nearest pathway from the beach was. He appeared out of place and gave her an uneasy feeling. She said she went for a swim, but the man kept looking in her direction. When she returned home, she couldn't find the underwear she had left out prior to leaving for the beach. There were a number of locals who police listed as persons of interest, a couple of whom appeared at the inquest. In a small community, they attracted a lot of attention. Gary gave police two different statements about his movements that day. He had a history of violence and losing his temper and had recently smashed a plywood door to a house in St Mary's. There was also a fisherman, Tony, who seemed to enjoy the notoriety of being a person of interest. In 1998, he had an interim restraining order taken out on him by a 17-year-old girl in Beaumaris for his inappropriate interest in her. The police don't believe any of these two men were responsible, although they still remain persons of interest. The coroner eventually returned an open finding, but if new information comes to light, the inquest can be reopened. Another person of interest was Dr Roman Hazel, who was living at St Helens at the time, about six kilometres away. And I said, oh, what is this? And he, and he said, oh, you know, I always carry a rope and a knife with me. He was a gynaecologist and came to police attention after a witness saw him at a service station in the area on the day or the day after the murder. He had scratches on his face. How big was the scratch on his lip? Like that. It was two or three fingers yeah. wide, was it? Yeah. Do you have a look at that for me, Rod? See if that face rings any bells. Yeah, I reckon that's him. Soon after the murder, he left St Helens for Hobart. Leaving everything, everything that that, that was personal, plus things that he never travelled without, uh, were all just left there, strewn around, yes. So it looked as though he just dropped everything and ran? It looked as if he just walked out the door and and ran, yeah. He worked briefly at a hospital, but then was dismissed for drinking and failing to disclose a jail term. Thirteen years ago, a young Italian woman was savagely stabbed to death on a local beach. And in the investigation that followed, a series of clues leading to Dr Hassel were either missed or somehow overlooked. The police investigator at the time said Hassel is only one of a number of persons of interest. I said, did you kill this girl? Did you kill Victoria Cafaso? And his reply to me was... Maybe I did. I don't recall. I don't remember. 